0: This nap, I sort of woke up and felt dead. It was great. I hear you.
1: You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with hosts Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller.
0: Hello, and welcome to episode 460 of Dots No. Last week was 460.
1: Well, 460 is lost right now.
0: Yes. Okay, well, hello, and welcome to episode maybe 460, maybe 461. Of dot lines and destinations. I'm Seth, jet lagged and confused uh, this week. Joined by Mr. Hoss and Mood. How you doing?
1: <laughs> doing well, and yourself. Jet lagged and confused. Um, we really uh, did. Rec- we really did record an episode last week.
0: Well, it hasn't been published yet, so it, it might not exist. But we'll try to get that sorted. This is going to be very confusing for everybody if it's actually alive by the time this one comes out. But uh, we'll see. Um, I would like to thank the uh, executives from Alaska Airlines and Hawaiian Airlines for seeing fit to release their blockbuster news on a Sunday uh, and reasonably timed on a Sunday before we started recording on Sunday afternoon uh, because that means we get to talk about it.
1: Yes, so Alaska announced that they are acquiring Hawaiian.
0: The, gr- and It's an interesting one. Alaska Airlines Group, which mostly as a shell company that holds the airlines, but is in fact a shell company that holds the airlines. So it separately owns Alaska Airlines and Horizon, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Will now also own the Hawaiian Airlines brand. And if I'm reading it correctly, is saying that at least for now, they will continue to operate as separate brands and with some alignment, sort of.
1: Isn't that what they all say when they acquire an airline?
0: Well, sometimes they say, screw this, we're fully combining, it's going to happen. So, um, it's not entirely uh, crazy, but, oh, well, let's finish what's recording so we can listen to the investor call. Um, Yeah, this is just a, not bizarre, but a a massive merger. um, Yeah, maintain both brands while integrating into a single operating platform. Um, complementary networks, they're obviously massive overlap to and from Hawaii, but uh, focusing on the fact that that's a very small part of both operations.
1: Well, I maybe mean, you think Hawaii is you know,
0: Not very small. They're claiming <laughs> it's a small part.
1: I'm like, I don't think Hawaii is a small operation for Hawaiian.
0: Or for Alaska, though. That's the part that's kind of
1: but, it is, but for Alaska, it is. When you compare it to Southwest, Southwest probably has more lift than Alaska at this point.
0: Yeah. Um, I meant to pull that up before we started recording. I'm trying to get it now. Um, yeah, it's – that is going to be interesting. They're going to – obviously, the hub in Hawaii becomes a big deal. Um,
1: it also becomes interesting in that Alaska will have access to wide bodies, so – do they actually start moving some of those to fly wide bodies out of Seattle or Portland
0: or San Francisco
1: or LA? I don't, I don't think they would go into San Francisco or LA. You,
0: probably not, but yes, um, I, they have that opportunity.
1: They do. Uh, or Vegas. And,
0: yeah. Um I, I just, I don't know. Like there's some other very interesting parts of it that, they're talking about the, the Honolulu Hub, uh, quote, enabling greater international connectivity for West Coast travelers through the Asia-Pacific region with one-stop service through Hawaii, end quote. And I get that to an extent, um, as long as what they really mean is to the South Pacific and not to uh, East Asia, China, Japan, Korea. Mm-hmm. Because if they're going to try to push connections from the West Coast to... And Hawaiian sells them, right? I mean, Hawaiian sells mar- those markets. They sell Japan. They sell uh, China. I don't think they sell Korea right now. They have in yeah. the past, right? But
1: Unless yeah. they pull the tap and do like a free stop or a kind of deal.
0: Yeah. It's still so far out of the way for so many of those markets.
1: Agreed, but you know, there's a lot of people who would be swayed by a free stop in Hawaii.
0: Leisure traveler business. I'm mean, right in this. goes back to the old, where's the.
1: Yes, you're right. You're not going to attract business travelers to do that, but leisure travelers has appeal. Uh, but what's really surprising me is to, to require them for a billion dollars in cash, 900 million, in, assuming 900 million of a debt, 900 million in debt. Yeah. seems cheap. Yes. Well,
0: considering Spirit Air, the JetBlue Spirit deal was like, what, 3.6 billion, something like that. Right, twice as expensive, and it is a significant premium on the current share price. I guess more than double the current share price. Wow! And an all cash transaction. Um, does it pass regulatory?
1: I, I have to ask: Will JetBlue actually be able to get the funding in the end, given the changes in the financial markets?
0: Um. I thought that they had a bridge loan secured that was sufficient cash and how much they're going to have to pay to run that loan.
1: But until you've actually exercised a loan, the bank can always
0: read. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some statistics for you in terms of, uh, capacity to and from the islands between the island, Hawaii and the continental United States, United actually has the most ASMs.
1: I believe that because they've got, they're running a bunch of wide bodies.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah and is second in total flights. Hawaiian had, I'm using December of this year as the statistics because it was the default on the Serium report. Um, Hawaiian has 888 flights this month between the mainland and the islands. United has 841. Alaska has 829.
1: How many does Southwest have?
0: 684. And um, is actually a one, two, three, four, five, six. So fifth in total ASMs. Uh, only American is smaller. Delta is actually b- above on ASMs, but again with more wide bodies because it's only 526 flights.
1: Just amazing me that AA is so small. small.
0: Yeah, um, less than half the number of seats flying, or and half the ASMs as United or. Hawaiian, just just over half the ASMs of Hawaiian.
1: Where, or other than DFW, where does AA actually fly these things?
0: Listen, man. <laughs> DFW is a big deal, okay?
1: Yeah, I, I understand. I mean, are, are they really just going for the Emirates model? One hub and that's it?
0: Hey, uh, at least they serve Baton Rouge from their hub. That's true, they do. But not on a 380. Not on a 380 yet. Uh uh-huh. Sorry, listeners who don't understand that. A uh, very obscure joke that I'm not even sure I understand anymore, but we keep making.
1: We should see um, if we can find that video
0: yeah um yeah the, I don't know i'm I'm torn on this, obviously, there's significant overlap in the islands traffic between the mainland and the us and Hawaii, but more broadly, I do understand um, it is not a, it's not their everything. And so I, I, I do still wonder if it'll get into um if it'll get approved by regulators, but
1: I don't know why it wouldn't. Yeah, candidly, because while there's some, there clearly they would become dominant. It's not by a long margin that they'd become dominant in this space.
0: Yeah. Um. So we're talking about. How, how much of their capacity it is. Um, let me see if I can compare these numbers real quick. Uh, Hawaiian, of Hawaiian's total operations, um, the U.S. mainland route are about 12% of flights and about a third of their ASMs, 35% roughly. I'm, if I'm doing this, I'm doing this math in my head, so forgive me. Um, One point. To 1.7 billion ASMs and 580 thousand of 580 million of them are in that market. Um, Alaska. well I didn't realize. I always thought Hawaii was a, big, much a much bigger market for Alaska, given the number of flights they have. Uh, it's only it's just under four million ASMs this month, out of just under six billion
1: total. Well, they've drastically cut down Hawaii services over the last few years, as Hawaiian has added narrow bodies into the continental U.S.
0: And Southwest
1: and Southwest. Yeah. So Alaska used to have many more, but they've dropped drastically.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, that is, that was surprising to me. Um, just looking at 2019 to compare, uh, but, um, sorry, I'm trying to pull up (coughs)
1: comparison
0: on that. Uh, yeah, they're down twenty percent from twenty nine. Uh, down eight percent on ASMs from twenty nineteen into Alaska.
1: Yeah, into yeah, yeah. I believe that. I believe um, it.
0: and yeah, okay. So it is a relatively small part of the Alaska network. I I am still. I I would argue if the JetBlue Spirit deal goes through, this has to, um, just based on the same competitive concerns, uh, whether it allows the uh but if it doesn't if that doesn't go through this one may be similarly pressured um also probably depends a little bit on how long it takes to get that to happen and who's running the government at the end of next year no but uh yeah that this is obviously a very big deal it's just come out so we don't have all the information um say one thing they specifically do mention. Um, is that the Hawaiian Airlines legacy uh, loyalty program members will benefit through an industry-leading loyalty program for the combined airline that will be part of the One World Alliance. Okay. Um, What's not in, I mean, and I don't know how they would not do it, but that basically means Hawaiians joining One World.
1: I guess that's an interesting question. If the same parent company owns it, does Hawaiian have to go through all the requirements on its own or does it, can it just piggyback off Alaska's entry?
0: Um, I mean, and what requirements like, does it have to, do they have to run, they run lounges? They're not, I mean, sort of.
1: Right. But like there's entry requirements rate right, for into an alliance.
0: Oh, sure. I mean like the tech, well, the technology stuff will be covered.
1: Right. So that's maybe it depends on how quickly they integrate the technology stacks.
0: Yeah, but I would I would assume that that comes as part of, right, like, and or they just don't enter until that's solved. But that's part of the deal. Um, and then, I don't know, the rest of it I don't see as too much trouble. Um, we're going to talk about Wi-Fi a little later in the show. It, it is interesting to note that they have different Wi-Fi providers.
1: I didn't realize wine only had 240 daily departures. Is
0: it that small on a
1: daily basis? It's in the investor presentation. That's what it is. Alaska has eleven 1, hundred, about 1,100. Hawaiian has about 240.
0: That can't include the inter-island flights, can it?
1: It could. I mean, when you think about it, how many?
0: Well, no, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it. So, yeah, 7,189 flights scheduled in
1: September. That's... No. 62 aircraft.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well. Cool. Um,
1: I I personally think this is this will be an easier approval than Jip Lewis Spirit even if they don't get their blessing. This is not a big acquisition. As I look at the numbers.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I I still wonder about the. I mean, even if it's with the with the overlap, I just still wonder.
1: Yeah. You just never know, right? People. Yeah the people who approve these things do it in their own head and different approach it with a different methodology.
0: Yeah. Estimated close in 12, 18 months. I also really, the two brands thing is an interesting choice. Do you make Hawaiian, the long haul operator plus inter Island and Alaska? The, I mean, that's sort of what it already is, but due to that, if they wanted to bring Long Haul out of Seattle and Portland, does, does that get run by Hawaiian?
1: This is what I w- This is what my guess is. They're going to come up with a new name for the merged entity so that it's not, not two such localized names.
0: But that's not keeping the local or keeping the independent brands.
1: It it For the moment, it is. At the time of closing, it is. As uh, so the longer term, you think that'll change? Yeah. Longer term, I think they will merge into a new brand, which is, I mean, it goes like when you think back to, like I remember talking to someone at Content, all right, the reason they kept the United name was because it had better global recognition, mm-hmm. and you know that's a challenge. And Hawaiian would have better uh, recognition in Asia than Alaska, clearly, because uh, they don't even fly there, uh, but they both are very localized names. Yeah, and I think if the, the intent and you know, my guess is that part of the logic behind the acquisition is to get access to wide bodies. Well, so that would imply that they want to have a broader, uh, portfolio and they would need a name that's more reflective and attractive to people who would understand that they don't just find Alaska or Hawaii.
0: Yeah. Fair. Um, <clears throat> only 11 million. Only 11 million combined active loyalty members, and they're being very generous with active as any activity within the tr- past 24 months.
1: Oh, that's not a lot at all.
0: And presumably, while they're saying it's the com- you know starts with nine and 2.2 and the combined is 11.2, there's got to be some overlap there. So
1: I like I find it interesting that for Alaska, they only claim their hubs are Seattle, Portland, and Anchorage.
0: Not LA, San Francisco, and San Diego? Nope. Interesting.
1: <laughs>
0: but is that a new... Is that new?
1: It's in the investor presentation that I'm looking at.
0: Yeah. Um, I just wonder what... I, I guess you'd have to go back and look at some old, slightly older press releases and see uh, if they've made, What they actually list as their... Uh, plans.
1: I mean, San Francisco has enlisted as a hub in the past. They have served I think over 100 destinations from there, so I don't know how you wouldn't consider that a hub.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm just I'm just pulling up a random press release to read the about chunk.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, interesting. They don't have it where it should be, but I can find it easily. Um, oh, well, uh, never mind. Uh, yeah, anyway, obviously, lots developing here. Um, and we'll figure out what actually is happening soon. Uh, I'm mad that their PDF doesn't allow you to highlight text and uses the default link color <laughs> for non linked. Um, actually, before we uh leave this, uh, 717 fleet has nearly half its cycle time remaining and could eventually be replaced by 737s. Cool. Do either of those statistics sound reasonable to you?
1: I mean, I'm surprised the 717 fleet has that much life in it. Yeah, particularly given the salt air. Yeah, because I'm thinking back to the old Aloha Airlines incident, uh, where the roof flat fell off, uh, flew off because of the uh, all the corrosion.
0: Yeah. Um, it's interesting that. I mean, obviously, it's a.
1: There's With- you no, know, I don't believe that. Yeah, because right. I'm looking at the dates of delivery, 2001.
0: So, and those are high high cycle
1: right. routes. So they're thinking they can get 44 years out of the 717s.
0: Nearly half, so maybe 40. I don't know. It, that that's that would be a big surprise to me. I, also, it's surprising to think that 737s would be the right replacement there, given their size.
1: Well, yes and no. They'd be able to carry more cargo.
0: Sure. Um, Is uh, inter-island cargo that big a market for them?
1: Yeah, because a lot of stuff comes out of Honolulu, right? Onlula.
0: Sure. I was thinking, like, how much of it needs that little additional capacity that doesn't get covered by the high volume of those frequencies of those flights, but fair.
1: But the the volume, for like, I was in Hawaii a few weeks ago. The volume doesn't seem as high as it once was.
0: For the inter-island stuff?
1: Yeah. Okay. And, I, and I think with Southwest coming in, they've drastically reduced the number of frequencies they're running. Yeah. Um, which is fine, but that might be how they, like that's how they rationalize a the 737, right? They've drastically reduced the frequency. So they're up gauging to f- uh, fewer frequencies and then they can also do more cargo.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, And, but yeah, that it's interesting to see 737 being talked about as a replacement there. I don't think previously it was one of the options.
1: The only other option would be a 220, right? Or an E90, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Alaska is very committed to Boeing for the most part. So I'd also be interested to see how long the Airbus fleet lasts.
0: So that's right. That's the other interesting thing that I was going to mention is they mentioned both the leased A330s, which are up for renewal in the near term. Yep. Which up until now, Hawaiian had basically planned to uh, return them. That's so why they've got the 787s on order. Yep. Um, To see Alaska now or the combined company talking about possibly keeping them is very surprising.
1: It is and it isn't. I suspect they can get some really good deals on keeping those uh, planes.
0: Think so? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I want, like, they're not single aisles, but which I know lease rates have gone up on of late. But I feel like even bodies with delivery delays from Boeing and Airbus have been pressured.
1: Uh, agreed. But I think the three thirty market is drying up pretty quickly. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think the. I mean, if we look at what some of the airlines are doing, they're drastically shrinking capacity. So I think we're they're seeing a shrinkage on the horizon. And yeah. So, so that'll drive down. Uh. Air, airplane prices as a whole. Yeah,
0: um, A321neo, the LR's. Do you think those those have to stick around at least for the near term, right?
1: Yes, I, I think they will stick around until the Max tens are out. Yeah, and then um, then it's anyone's guess.
0: Yeah, and so you know, Alaska Airlines has a history of getting rid of small A320 three Airbus fleets. Um, not even that small uh, has a history of killing off Airbus fleets and with Virgin America. So that will be an interesting look-see. <laughs> um, all right. Um, let's move on from that with subject to more future conversations as more details come out. Uh, FAA. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. The FAA and DOT have made a little news in recent, uh, I guess in the past week or two, they've got a test plan for the max 10.
1: Ooh, Exciting.
0: I think so. I think the planes are flying again now, starting to sort of go through the process. This is basically the FAA saying that it's given Boeing guidance or they've agreed on what bits will be proven during the upcoming flight tests to get the plane certified. Right. So, um, but at the same time, the FAA has also formally uh, initiated the process of saying that going forward, any new type of change that, to an existing type that's considered major will require uh, full recertification rather than eh, it's close enough. Let's just keep going certification.
1: I think uh, that's a good thing.
0: Yes. And this is the, this is the thing that was being pushed for so long. Uh, and we talked a lot about last year that it was sort of supposed to be required and supposed to be required and that the max or everything through the end of last year got exempted. Uh, It was originally 2020 and then 2022 and now just the maxes are exempt anyways, but going forward, uh, no exemptions for that. So, uh, if Boeing wants to make a max plus, they're going to have to super max. Uh, maybe we shouldn't name airplanes after prisons. Uh, (laughs) they will have a
1: new certification. You went to a better spot than I did. So I'll let you have it. (laughs)
0: I'm not sure I want to know now. Okay. Um, and separately also announced that the they're going to push for 25-hour recording on Cockpit Voice Recorders. Uh, up in the current two hours.
1: I like that. I like that. But I guess, and that would have been good because it would have, like, given us insight into what happened to the AA plane that did a runaway incursion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, like the London thing? Yeah. Yeah, there's that, and I think they said they're going to now also require preserving CVRs for more types of incidents. Okay,
1: so well, the, will the pilots' union really fight this?
0: I don't know, but it fighting a safety regulation like that. I mean, I they are they've managed to hold off on videos on the flight deck so long, and I think they'll continue to hold there. I'm not sure they can get past this one, right? I will say it's interesting. You know, one of the common things the airlines do with respect to new regulations like this is say the hardware's not available. We're not doing it. It's too expensive. Uh, the hardware is very available now to do these, the longer CBR boxes and, uh, Europe already requires it. So less standing for us carriers to not require it. or U S yeah. regulators to not require it. Um, Anyway, uh, I thought those were two interesting bits from the FAA last week. Uh, what else we got here? Air Asia uh, is technically what this headline is about. And the, the story that I, I led with here is adding a ton of capacity into China, uh, Malaysia, and to India. Because Malaysia is removing visa requirements for those two countries.
1: Ah.
0: um, So it's, you know. It came to us as an airline news release, but I think and there's some reciprocity there in terms of inbound traffic the other direction, um, and visa uh, rules. That is seeing those rules change is very interesting to me.
1: You don't often see visa waivers for China. No. So, it, just the question is: is Malaysia hurting that much for? Tor- I
0: I would assume that that's basically what this is: is recognizing they need the. The money and the inbound traffic. And I think also, you know, if you look at it, there's sort of a this, if you, it becomes part of as China's outbound tourism starts to finally recover, can they shift more of it, grab a, a much larger share of it, of the early recovery by changing the visa rules?
1: Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Malaysia is a beautiful country. I think it's um, underappreciated, but I hope that it doesn't get overrun.
0: Yeah. Um, I've only ever been to KL and I'm just yeah, on it, but I'll trust you.
1: Uh, even KL was nice. Once you figure it out, you know, there's definitely very dumpy parts, um, but I wandered around. It was actually very safe. Yeah. When I found some really nice areas, some really cool stuff, uh, and I'd go back in a heartbeat. All right. I'll have
0: to consider that. Um, I'm not ready. I also got sick there uh, one of my days, so I'm not super keen on it, but it's like I get for eating at the Four Points. Uh, <laughs> ate at the Western Hotel. Got sick. Oops. Oopsie. Yeah, just before my flight. That was really uncomfortable. Um, <clears throat> Tulum. We have a new airport. They have a new airport. It is open.
1: Yes. Uh, they they put the training on training wheels on and opened it this week. So it's... I think there's what four destinations that are served Aeromexico Mexico to Mexico city exclusively. And then Viva Airbus is flying to, if I remember correctly, Mexico city, Monterey, Tijuana, one more place. Okay. Uh, maybe Guadalajara. Okay. Uh, but the U S carriers are coming in, in March, I guess with the spring season.
0: Yeah. They, I think basically everybody who serves or the big, the, all the big operators have definitely have announced, right. Uh,
1: yeah, the American, United, Delta, and Spirit. And okay. What's, what's interesting is American and United seem to be, be, be making a uh, full investment. I think United's got four routes, and AA has three. Uh, Spirit had two, and Delta but, just just had Atlanta.
0: Well, there's more to Delta's operations than Atlanta. I'm confused, fellas.
1: I, I know. <laughs> occasionally, they they let a flight slip out of Atlanta, Atlanta to somewhere else.
0: Yeah. No, I it's I, I see what you're saying and I made whether is it forcing connections or they're just not how many other places they serve to Cancun, I guess would be the question.
1: I'm surprised no one's flying in New York though. I mean, United is doing Newark, but I'm surprised no one's doing JFK. Yeah. Or LaGuardia. Well, I can't do LaGuardia unless it's Saturday.
0: Right. Uh and you can't do LaGuardia because they don't have preclearance. Right. LaGuardia does not have uh
1: Oh, that's right, you need pre clearance as well,
0: and the Guardia does not have an international arrivals facility, yeah um yeah, I'm just looking up delta's Cancun operations uh for next April, so no they yeah they do next April they'll have six daily to Atlanta, one to boston one to two to detroit, two to j f k one to l a three to Minneapolis, and then also Seattle and Salt lake City, so Cancun gets plenty of traffic,
1: yeah. So I wonder if they're just skittish or they're trying to just see if it takes off before making an investment.
0: Yeah. Fair. Um, and weirdly, a one-off to Cincinnati and to Raleigh Ooh. in April. I wonder if that's still spring break traffic or something.
1: I mean, April is pr- probably January. Yeah. Because gen- generally it's not college spring break, but it's school spring break. Yeah.
0: So. Um. What else we got here? United's A321neo finally, off. It, finally took off. They did a special, I guess. A, the third, the Thursday flight was, um, I guess, a media special, and then Friday they put it into real service to Phoenix. Last week, is that right?
1: I think no, it was Chicago Houston, or was that the media flight?
0: I think that was the media flight. Okay, Houston, yeah. to Chicago, because they did induction in Houston. Okay.
1: Um. Yeah, I actually don't know what the first routes were. I know it, there were some Florida routes, and I thought Phoenix was also going to get it.
0: Yeah, I think Phoenix is first, and then when the second one shows up, they're adding Orlando from Chicago.
1: So in their second 321 just came in as well. Yeah. Uh, but here's the interesting thing. They're flying them to Cleveland and not Chicago.
0: As part of the induction process? Yeah. Okay. I mean, they still do have some tech ops in...
1: Cleveland, right? They do, but, but both the first one and the second one, they they both went to Cleveland first.
0: Yeah, which and is I know. Good. I know the first one went to Houston after that for a lot of the work.
1: Right, but but they come from. I think that's they're doing. Uh, they're going from Hamburg to Keflavik, and then Keflavik to Cleveland. Okay. Uh, which I was surprised, but I'm like, okay, I, 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 Cleveland's getting some love, so that's good. Yeah, the Hoblet lives on. In some, in many hearts, it has never died.
0: <laughs> um, I will say the one interesting thing... I mean, I would say there's new seats, new IFE systems. There's a lot of uh, new first-class seats uh, are finally showing up on that. There's a lot of interesting bits about it. Uh, United is also hyping up the self-serve snack bar in economy.
1: Yes, I saw that.
0: And I'm torn on this one because, like, yes, cool, nice way to use... 14 inches of space, whatever, on board that you can't put another row of seats in. But as a passenger, would I prefer the self serve snack bar versus an extra inch of legroom? Yes. I would yeah. I would say yes. You want the snack bar or you want the inch of legroom?
1: The inch of legroom, because you know damn well the snack bar is going to get run over once and it'll be empty the rest of the flight. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the problem. There's just going to be too many people trying to hit the snack bar, right? So either they're going to they're gonna need to constantly restock it, or you'll, it'll be stocked for the first 30 minutes. The seatbelt sign is off, and that's it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is interesting to me. <clears throat> excuse me. Interesting to me. JetBlue has managed to sort of make it work. So maybe. But JetBlue has a different snacks on board culture historically.
1: Right. I mean, because United is still buy on board, so what? There's just, just going to be a big box of biscotti or a stroopwafels.
0: Yeah, uh, they did not have biscoff or stroopwafels on my last flight. I was very, okay. on Saturday. I was very confused by that.
1: Well, that's disappointing. Yeah, uh, but the one thing about the 321 that's of interest to me that you may know the answer to this: the space between door one and door two is that the same amount of space as on a seven five.
0: So there isn't a door two, is there
1: or where door two used to be
0: um i i don't believe that it was the exact same dimension um and i say that because one of the reasons they never board from door two is because it's too close to the wing right and there's a risk of the jet bridge taking out an engine
1: or scratching the wing which did happen once right
0: so i think that that i think the spacing
1: was different okay because i was surprised they only did 20 seats in first not 24 That's why I asked that question because the old, all the old carriers when they did domestic first, they had 24 seats.
0: Right. Um, I think that's because, and Delta Delta definitely did a, maybe United continental did at one point, um, on the 75 threes did a mix and match in that a zone, the front between the front doors. Right.
1: Uh the seven five threes were always twenty actually the seven fives on Continental were always in their twenty four or sixteen seats. Okay. Um, they it was you're thinking the seven six fours where they did the mini cabin. Nah, I
0: thought someone did an economy on a seven five where there was like twelve they did like twelve and twelve or something like that in that front zone.
1: It might I think I think A did that actually. Okay. Uh but I know United or Continental never did that.
0: Okay. Fair. Um but I think my point there being, especially for domestic operations, which is what these are dedicated are designated for, that twenty might be the right number, and they always did twenty four because you you weren't going to put one row of first in that space, right? Um, and it didn't make I, mean, I guess they always could have taken out a row and added more library, but they didn't really need to.
1: And if anyone from United is uh, listening, you need to add the three twenty one to your seat map seat in flight seat map page Oops. The website yeah <laughs> just completely missing from the fleet and aircraft information page whoopsie okay
0: um maybe i will even send an email to someone and see if we can get that fixed uh, i don't have that much pull but i can at least bother the pr people <laughs> anyway um and then lastly united is going to start flying to georgetown guiana
1: yeah I'm surprised they didn't already fly this.
0: Yeah, that was my initial response too. I was like, "Wait, I thought that was already there."
1: Um, so
0: it is. Uh, I would mark you know call that a strong oil and gas market. Um, historically, at least it has been so. Uh, will be interesting to see how that comes together. But Houston to Georgetown, starting in what, April next year? I believe it is April. Um. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one.
1: I mean, that's great. You know, as they, with all those uh, press releases, they keep issuing for Houston. You've got to keep adding service now. Yeah.
0: Foss's mate is riffing on something I was complaining about before we started recording. They, the expansion for the Houston airport terminal that I think we talked about two weeks ago, I think I talked about with Stephen. Like, I've gotten enough three different releases over the last couple of weeks. Each one's basically saying the same thing. I haven't, figured out, I haven't bothered to read them closely enough to figure out what's different, but like, we already knew that. Thank
1: you. Just in case you didn't, we're going to, have to remind you again. Yeah, appreciate it.
0: Um, anything else you want to talk about before we close this out?
1: No, I'm pretty good at this point.
0: Alrighty. Um, well, Patreon subscribers, stick around. Uh, we got some more conversation about uh joint ventures and aircraft reconfigurations and some new air- a new airport in greenland uh and if you're not a patreon subscriber, you can join us there by clicking on the links that we clearly have somewhere available i guess um <laughs> that lets you do that uh and support us that way otherwise uh we will catch you next time. Happy travels
1: take care.